Today's show is brought to you by Team Snap. Sign up for a free 21-day free trial at www.tryteamsnap.com slash holybackboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 84th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in toasty Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling, bro. I mean, it's been a minute, but we did leave you with the highest of hot episodes, so shout out to Tara for being a wonderful guest. Man, how how have you been, bro? Been pretty good. I mean, honestly, uh, we just went to the coast for Olga's, you know, 30th birthday. Um, I was on a, a photo shoot for work for two days out in wine country. Um, things are going well. Although I have to say this whole Carmelo melodrama, Houston, Portland, Dame CJ recruiting him, this saga, that, that needs to end. That's consumed way too much of me. Like I, I would say I'm pretty good about not being attached to my phone, but these past two, three weeks, I have been updating Twitter like a fucking madman, waiting for just the littlest bit of news and just consuming all of it, just waiting for something to happen because, you know, outside of the draft, our offseason has been extremely quiet. However, you know, I was in a meeting this afternoon and the reason for this podcast i had just refreshed twitter my my buddy ian uh, slacked me is like portland's just traded alan crab and i just refreshed twitter so i'm like my first initial reaction was are you fucking with me so i i go to i go to check twitter and i was like sure enough portland traded him to the brooklyn nets exactly one year from the offer sheet uh or exactly one year from the the day that portland signed uh that offer sheet that that crab accepted from brooklyn and sage since this happened exactly one year from the date this feels like this this had had to to have have been been, planned yeah this had to have been planned since july one maybe even before i i get it i know i know you're upset about it but i i get this one so it doesn't make any sense to me let me know why you don't like it so, rewind a month, 26, 2017 NBA draft, Portland's loaded with three picks, call up Sacramento, hey, we'll offer you 15 and 20 for 10, boom, done deal. We draft Malik Monk at 10, uh, the best shooting guard prospect in the draft, uh, just a pure score, he's going to be in the league a long time, he does one thing well, that is put the ball in the fucking basket. If we had him, yes, let's go move Alan Crabb. Because you've now got a guy who you can bring along. There are legit minutes for him. If he turns out the way you like, he's either utilized as a trade chip or you could possibly move CJ if you wanted to make a run at a guy. I'm not saying this is the guy, but a guy like Anthony Davis or a situation like Anthony Davis where people assume things could go south. And now you have a legitimate all-star caliber piece in a CJ McCollum that you could move. However, we didn't do that. We took a project on a guy um, in Zach Collins, and obviously the verdict is way, way out on him, as it would be for anybody. Summer League is really just kind of like 
less than appetizer. So fast forward to where we are today. Our bench was already hugely inconsistent. We would go games getting 40 points from our bench. There would be nights where you would struggle to get 15 points from this goddamn bench. Yeah, I mean, the, the high var- it's high variance. We bitched about it two years ago. <laughs> like, as soon as we started this podcast, we noticed, hey, there isn't consistency on this shit. And we look at the bench, and it's it's not made up of, of consistent guys. And, and what you want from a bench is consistency. You don't need superstardom. You don't need elite talent. You need guys who you know what you're going to get night in and night out. Is Alan Crabb worth the 20-some million dollars that he signed last summer? Of course not. Portland was a victim of a huge salary cap boom the first year of it, and Brooklyn had no reason to tank. They wanted guys like him. I mean, that's pretty obvious. They they still wanted him a year afterwards. I mean, the the strategy is so easy to recognize. It's like... Brooklyn noticed that there aren't that many D and three guys, or even potential D and three guys. So they offered humongous salaries to those D and three guys in hopes that they either reach their potential or get good enough to trade them. They did that with Otto Porter this year. They did it with Alan Crabb, and apparently they really think Alan Crabb is going to fetch a draft pick in the near future. I don't know about it, but. Uh, that's their strategy. That's what they're gonna do since they're s- they've been screwed over with picks because of Billy King. See, Brooklyn wanting Alan Crabb a year after makes me think it's not gonna be just for a draft pick. They legitimately see him as a six man of the year candidate, possible starting two guard because we all know Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell isn't a long term solution in the backcourt. D'Angelo is probably gonna be there a long time. Alan Crabb's still only 25 years old, and what he does well is he shoots the basketball. You look at his three-point percentage over the last three years, he has improved it substantially. He shot 35% in 2015, 39% in 2016, and a franchise record 44.4% in 2017. So yes, I understand he was overpaid. I understand he was a one-dimensional player. However, at this moment in time, and that's where we're judging this trade, I think we both can agree that there's more trades and more moves to be made. Absolutely. Ab- there, th- this is just the first point in the, in the trade, in, in the process of us having a little bit of room to wiggle. I think that there's going to be something big, and you can't judge this as the only part of the, the offseason for us. But as we look at it now, Portland won in a Terry Stotts-based offense has no three-point shooting off the bench. Shabazz Napier is the best three-point shooter off the bench, and I wouldn't say that's his strength. Uh, Not only that, Portland loses about 11, 12 points off their bench. A bench that was already inconsistent, a bench that really couldn't be relied upon to get them more um, sustainability for the starters. I mean, the starters can't log all those minutes. You know, we don't want to wear Dame, CJ, and Nurk down during these years when the Warriors are going to run shit out in the West. You know, we need to really limit their minutes and play for three, four years down the road. Um, I, I fully realized that Alan Crabb was not a long-term piece of the puzzle. Even if we kept him these three years, there's no way you're going to want to continue to pay him um, after his contract ended in 2020. But what kind of doesn't sit right with me is all we've heard all along all summer from Neil O'Shea is we're not going to salary dump. We're not going to salary dump. 
the only way this could have been worse had we given up a pick to do it. So you got to be thankful that that isn't the reality that we had to incentivize. Of all the contracts we signed last year, you're looking at Crab, Turner, Harkless, and Leonard. I'd argue that Crab was the second best deal. I think he is a better, better than Alan or Evan Turner. You know, five million dollars here or there, that's not going to make or break my decision. I think he's a better player, and he has a special. Uh, uh, he's a specialist, and that's what he's there for. So now Portland has another deal to, um, in the works. You know, I know guys who shoot well from three and score ten points per game. They, they probably do. They do grow on trees. They're they're, they're a dime a dozen. Only that thing you can find. I mean, like, Anthony Morrow can't provide any defense, but he can shoot threes in the corner if that's what the role, what our role is. I mean, we still have the taxpayer MLE to potentially get that that shooter. And another thing that just feels very knee-jerky with this is the whole point in signing your restricted free agents and what we heard for the past 12 months from Neil O'Shea and Paul Allen, they didn't want to let their assets walk for nothing. So you're pulling the plug one year into this when Allen Crabb essentially matched his numbers from last season in similar minutes and exceeded his three-point percentage. You know, we both watched a lot of Blazer basketball. I could tell you right now that we did not utilize Allen Crabb the way he should be utilized. You don't just stick him in the corner. You run him off of curls. You get him in catch-and-shoot situations. You run more plays for him. He was the primary scorer off the bench, and there were times where he would get three fucking shots a game. Well, and, I mean, there was no playmaker for him. I mean, he needs to get the ball passed to him, and C.J. McCollum and Evan Turner aren't really... That isn't their expertise. I mean, I know Evan can pass, but it's not... That's not instinctive of him. Shabazz, if we tried it with Shabazz Napier, I think results would be pretty damn different because that's what he is on the court to do is give dudes the ball in their spots. Yeah, I can definitely agree that he was underutilized with us. And you hit the nail on the head. It was CJ, Crab, and Turner. That was our lineup of just cover your eyes, fast forward if you're watching the game on the DVR, and just pray to God we didn't blow a lead or get down 10 points. That lineup was hideous, horrendous, horrible for us. It was, like you said, Evan Turner's looking to score. He's looking to isolate. He's looking to post up. CJ McCollum is not a point guard. He's one of the best pure scorers in the game. He's looking to get his buckets. We had nobody to feed Alan Crabb. No, it was, it was really selfish basketball. I'm not going to look up the lineup plus minuses, but... When those three are on the court, it's not beneficial to this team. We lose leads very quickly. They preach ball and player movement, but they don't do it when those two are on the floor together. And, you know, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, I actually really like this this move for them. I know they didn't get a pick out of it, and I know they've been taking a lot of contracts like Mozgov and Damari Carroll. With Mozgov, they got D'Angelo Russell. With Damari Carroll, they got an additional pick. Bobby Marks, who is now working with, with ESPN, Said, you know, just perspective. So Brooklyn shed a year off of Alan Crabb's deal by by waiting a year to 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 formulate this trade. So they've essentially paid three years, thirty seven million dollars for a twenty five year old two guard. When you factor in the salary that they got rid of an Andrew Nicholson, you know Nicholson signed a, a four year deal. Yeah, it's six mil per, I think. Last summer with a, a 
player option at the end uh, of year four. So it was a four-year, $26 million deal. Portland is waiving him. They're stretching him. So also what Bobby Marks mentioned is the stretch provision is really the new amnesty clause. So for all of those out there who don't know what the amnesty clause is, it's essentially a get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, you still have to pay the, the the player their money, but that salary would get wiped off of your cap, wiped off of your books. That's no longer the case anymore. So the stretch provision really allows teams to say, okay, we want to waive him. He had about, what, $20 million left on his deal for three years. We'll pay him about 5.8 over the next, or however much it is, over the next seven years. Like, we're paying, we're stretching him out until, like, 2024. Yeah, because it's three plus another three and then another one so it's seven years at like four million dollars i mean that really isn't that much of the cap yeah so you mentioned it's not that much of the cap but you also fig- factor in that we still have anderson barajah stretched for i think four more years um and i saw today that we actually stretched festus azili that's a little under uh four hundred thousand dollars which isn't too much but Portland has about six million dollars in just dead space so it's something to keep in mind for all the capologists out there who are looking to see whether we're under the tax, we're over the tax. Right now, we are still over the luxury tax by about $3 million or so. dollars. Uh, and then you've got to factor in Big Narc's contract extension, which you know likely will come uh, down the line should everything go as planned, you know, knock on wood for that because, you know... Bosnian Beast is our X factor, but that's you know for another time, another podcast. I mean, and Noah Vonley is a free agent. Noah Vonley is a restricted free agent as well. So I, I get it. I get it from a purely financial state that this is what the Trailblazers had to do. However, I, I didn't see the harm in at the very least letting these contracts play out till 2020. And what a lot of teams are doing, like you look at the Lakers how they were able to secure Shaquille O'Neal in 96 or how they were able to make pitches for these, these free agents the past you know, six, seven years. Pat Riley was a, a mastermind at it for the Miami Heat. You look at when these elite free agents are coming off of their restricted free agent deals, they're about ready to make their second second or third contract, and you clear space for that, that offseason. Portland would have had so much money, and they, they still do since they essentially traded Crab for, for cab space. But they would have been able to wipe away those deals and you're left with five or six players on your roster in the summer of 2020. And I, I get it. I know Portland has never been able to attract a free agent, but you have to continue like like you have to continue shooting your shot. You have to try. And at the very least, you're looking at a guy like look at Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like everyone thought he wouldn't become an unrestricted free agent. Well, he was and he was able to be had for a one year deal, 18 million. Um, there are situations when you're able to be cap friendly that really allow you to do a lot of good things with your roster. We saw it with Portland, how they were able to build that kind of that 2014 team. They were able to use their cap space to bring in Robin Lopez. They had a little bit left over to sign Mo Williams, who was just hanging out there. And they, I think they did the same thing for Thomas Robinson. So, you know, and, um, a couple of years ago when we were able to just basically take on Anderson Barajal's contract. And we got a, a first round pick out of it. So, mm-hmm. which is now Biggie Swanigan. Yeah. Exactly. So, I get it. There's a lot of benefits for being um, very cap friendly. But my thing was like, Portland, we were so far down that rabbit hole. Like, why not just hunker down for three more years? Um, at least let's see if Alan Crabb can boost his trade value. Well, here's a thought get 
play Shabazz and Crab more together. Um, he's 25 years old. He's not going to... I don't think Alan Crab is going to regress. What I think is going to happen is he's going to put up really nice numbers for a Brooklyn team that, quite frankly, is going to surprise with how weak the Eastern Conference is and Brooklyn's big time incentive to make the playoffs like like Boston owns that pick or at least a pick swap so there's no incentive for Brooklyn to tank the Nets could make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference and if they do Alan Crabb is going to play a big part in it and I, I know that he wouldn't have that type of role in Portland uh, he wouldn't get that shine behind Damon CJ but Blazer fans brace yourself Alan Crabb is going to have a big year and what make your decision now are you for the trade or against the trade because there's going to be a lot of hindsight is 2020 a lot of there's going to be a lot of oh i really wanted that trade or i really didn't like draw the line in the sand now what what is your stance on this deal i'm trying to imagine how a three guard lineup of jeremy lynn d'angelo russell and alan crab would work and i think those three could do something pretty special with how kenny atkinson is actually constructing this team to go very fast pass the ball a lot this could be a very fun team to watch Damari Carroll, who's going to be looking to have a rebound year. You've got Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, former Blazer, who can play good defense. You know, Trevor Booker. So they're not going to be as bad as they were. And I really like, if you've got Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin's going to look to distribute the basketball. Like, Alan Crabb is going to be a focal point. Oh, absolutely. And the one thing that I always liked about Jeremy Lin and how I wanted him on the Pelicans was he can break down the defense. And when you can break down the defense, you know what happens? They try and help. You know what Alan Crabb does really well in their space on the floor? Hit threes. I, I kind of like what Kenny Atkinson can do with all of these new toys. It's gonna be it's gonna be a f- and a, kind of a, another thought on this deal. If you're only gonna give it one year, Sage, why even bother matching that deal? Like they couldn't have thought Alan Crabb was worth that money. I mean, we all knew that. And did they really think he was going to take that massive of a leap um, considering the lineups they were going to put him in with? Like, I just don't think this was really thought through. Um, I've been defending Olshay. Like, I thought last offseason was a perfect storm and a lot of things that were out of his control in terms of the salary cap spike and having three restricted free agents all at once and having max cap space and having to utilize it uh, before it went away. So, I don't fully blame him for that. I think a lot of factors really backed him against the wall. Yeah, it was a confluence of events that resulted in what we had as a a roster. But I'm still struggling to think that they pulled the plug so quickly on on the crab experiment. I mean, they, they either, one, didn't think he was going to make any more of an improvement because by all intended purposes, Paul Allen was on board the minute Brooklyn offered him that that contract he was going to match right away he's still 25 so either i I, like 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 we've said this has to be another move because you can't go into the season with this roster like you cannot have pat Connaughton as your backup two guard our our owner is willing to pay the uh luxury tax right oh and that's another huge reason why i honestly since we've had all these deals dame cj kicked in nurk's about to come up i don't give a fuck about our salary cap we're we, we're never going to have space for three or four more years. So if Paul Allen's fine paying it, what is it to the fans? What is it to the roster? What is it to the team? It's it's nothing. So, so I I I mean I know as a Pelican fan that they 
definitely do not want to be over the the tax line this year because they're going to be over it if Boogie resigns for, you know, the next seven years. And I don't think Paul Allen has the same, you know, mindset mindset as Tom Benson. So it was kind of weird to see it, but I kind of respect it if they, as an organization, realize this isn't going to work and pull the plug. I kind of respect that because with New Orleans, we value our players so much. So to see a GM that may, you know, he, he was wrong. This didn't work. And I, I mean, he made a move to stop it. I kind of respect that. So as long as there is another deal in the works to get us our backup shooting guard, this trade right now has to be graded incomplete. There, there's no way we could realistically sit here and say, A plus, D minus, fuck Neil Olshay, build the Neil Olshay statue. You cannot really go either way. Like, we have to wait until this offseason has... Yeah, it's like 90, 90 days away. So there's, I mean, potentially we're going to be waiting for a while for a tr- another trade or another move to really judge this. And it, it's tough because I haven't been feeling super stoked about this offseason already. Uh, we've all given our thoughts on the draft. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed I have. <laughs> I, I'm not thrilled with the draft we had. Um, and this kind of goes back towards that. What is the franchise direction, direction Sage? I don't think they have a, a plan in place. And, you know, I think Neil Olshay for making that offer for Paul George. I think it was a great offer. Uh, Indiana was stupid to um, pass on it, so you can't fault him there. But at the same time, we've got Damon CJ going into the primes of their careers. They're locked into great contracts. They want to win now. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the youngest team in the league. And... I understand you're strapped for salary, so you can't do anything in free agency, but like, are we getting veterans? Are we getting younger? Like, we take a project at 10, a 19 year old kid who, Sage, quite frankly, I think I'm stronger than that kid and I don't work out. So he is a long, long ways away. Now, had we taken a guy like Malik Monk or Donovan Mitchell, guards who were ready to play, who still had upside, then I'm kind of thinking, okay, the direction is we're going to go youth, but we're going to put guys who we know can play with Damon CJ. We don't want to waste their years. Were, what, were we the first team to pick a big? Were we the first, like a power forward center? Were we the first team to go big? Well, you got Jason Tatum at three, uh, Fultz at one, Ball, Ball at two, uh, De'Aaron went, what, four or five? Josh Jackson went four, excuse me, six. I'm trying to think. Six was Jonathan Isaac, so he was probably the biggest guy up to that point. Uh, seven was Markkanen, so Markkanen was okay. Yeah, yeah, Markkanen yeah. was a leg- first legit. Then you've got um, Frank from the Knicks, Dennis Smith Jr. from the Mavericks. So yeah, we really took the first center. How I value mid middling centers, middling bigs is I'd rather have a guard because of this generation of the NBA. So the fact that Malik Monk was on the board and he, he he gets buckets. That's what he does. Is is frustrating. That 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 I w- I don't think I will forgive Neil for because I, I I just Blake Monk passing on him feels like when we traded Drazen Petrovic because we thought we <laughs> we had Danny well, Ainge. yeah we had Danny Ainge and we had too many guards and Petro wanted minutes. Well, what happened? 
Petro blew up in New Jersey. He was, uh, I think he actually made third team all NBA in 93 before his unfortunate uh, passing. Rest in peace. You know, RIP, you know, gone too soon. But Petro, had he stayed, um, you know, had he stayed on this earth, he was destined for multiple all-star appearances. I've read multiple books, Clyde Drexler, all the guys were like, why did we trade this guy? We should have found time for him. But we had a middling sh- backup shooting guard. We couldn't have, you know, a young dude that was hungry. I mean, that that's kind of what I what I see when I am on Twitter and stuff. We already have a guy. Well, what well, if he's not special? People, where were these people in 84 when they said, oh, man, we really already have Jim Paxson. He was an all-star. <laughs> we already have Clyde Drexler, who, you know, we took in the lottery last, last year. Well, Paxson was all right and Drexler could easily have slid over to the three you always take best player available and I'm certain in their hearts they felt like Zach Collins was and I'm not using this podcast to trash on Zach Collins because I think he still has talent I just think he's a long ways away um I'm hoping he's a little bit quicker in development than um I'm 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 guessing right now but to me Malik Monk is going he's going to be at least Monte Ellis. And Monte Ellis was a bad, bad man. Yeah, he was a bad motherfucker. Yeah. On like so don't think of him now. Like Monte Ellis was a borderline all-star. I think Monk is going to make an all-star team down the road. At the very worst, he's going to have a Monte Ellis type career. I really think he is that talented. He's coming from Kentucky. When's the last time that really good players coming out of Kentucky just just drop off the face of the earth? It doesn't happen. Coach Cal gets these dudes ready for the NBA. Like, think about who they're practicing up against all season long. They play the toughest schedules. So, we'll be harping on this draft for a while because I think it's going to shape this franchise for the foreseeable future because we had three picks in one of the most loaded drafts. You cannot whiff on this. Otherwise, that could be the difference between Portland keeping Damon CJ in, in three or four years. Or it could be having to let them go or trade them earlier because the team is still floundering as the sixth or seventh seed in the West. If we suck, Dame is leaving. If we suck and it's two more years on his contract, Dame is leaving. This last year didn't matter. I mean, it's great that we made the playoffs and all, but if we suck in his free agent year, he's gone. I know he says all the right stuff now, but... Loyalty only counts so far, but if you're so far away from your ultimate goal, you're gonna leave. Having three picks in the most loaded draft, I could see, normally it's like 30 guys make it. I could see 50, 55 guys making it out of this draft, and there's undrafted dudes that are talented as hell. So that was, that was a, it was the deepest draft I could think of since maybe the LeBron draft. So, jury is out on that, but that kind of started my summer off in a sour manner because we were both stoked for for the draft and, and the prospect of adding some talent i know we both um liked what we saw out of swanigan in summer league but swanigan doesn't really uh, if swanigan address- plays major minutes this year we're gonna suck i like swanigan i i think what i saw on a couple of the games really translated into what he did he was an impressive shooter he was crafty down low. I think he's going to have to work a little bit more on his low post game. He's he's not going to be Zach Randolph right away, obviously, down low. Um, but his passing is fantastic. He has a very high intelligence for the game. I just worry about him defensively, especially on the perimeter, like, like you pointed out. And that's what kind of bugged me about that pick. Not the fact that we got Swanigan, because I think we could have... We could have traded back for Swanigan. We could have traded back, or we could have acquired a second-round pick. But what is the thing that I hear every fan bitch about 
it's defense, especially on the interior. They were guys we could have went after. And I'm going to say Jordan Bell. I mean, the block, the block monster. And he, he did it in summer league. And I, again, summer league, I know. Doesn't mean credit, shit. But if I'm going to credit Swanigan for doing well in summer league, I'm going to credit Jordan Bell for doing it as well. Um, so I just I don't know if this franchise has a direction. We keep preaching defense, but guys, we keep bringing in. I mean, I keep hearing Zach Collins is this defensive beast, and he had a couple of nice, you know, weak side shot blocks. But he has to get stronger. Especially, we need him to defend his position one on one. We cannot. He got bullied by uh, shit. Who's the dude from SMU? Samuel Ojale. He got bullied by a small forward. Oh, yeah, and that's going to happen. Like, we saw just how kind of, I mean, he was frail. He needs to put on a lot of weight, and he's not used to playing heavy minutes. He came off the bench at Gonzaga, so that's that's everything we know. Like, he's not going to contribute this year. That's totally fine. All that we want to see is just some improvement. I, I still, and like I said, my gut says it could be a bust, but my head says trust Neil. He knows what he's doing in draft day. So that's what I'm going to do. But back to the crab move, it, I think it really sets up Portland. And if, if we're going to talk about rumors, I mean, this this mellow rumor has been out there for, what, three weeks. First, it was, OK, we're the third party. We're going to help him go to Houston. Then it was, no, 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 Portland is not going to help facilitate mellow to Houston. That would make Houston way too tough. Then it went to Damon CJ publicly recruiting him. CJ posting mellow in a Portland jersey on Instagram. Um and now it's back to, oh, Melo's not going to waive his no-trade clause. Kyrie Irving wants out. That could really throw a wrench into everything if the Knicks facilitate a deal with Kyrie and the Cavs. And so you've got this just whirlwind of moves, and now it seems like we're settling back into, okay, Portland's that third party. What are we going to get? What are we going to give up? Because, I mean, if you trade away Alan Crabb's deal, but then you bring in Ryan Anderson – for all those, you know, salary cap people out there, that 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 doesn't do a whole lot. You're back to square one. Except now you have your shooter at a position where you already have four or five players. But it'll make me happy, and that 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 means something. Um, no, I mean, how many how many teams do you think could mess with our offense with a Dame, CJ, Mo Harkless, Ryan Anderson, Nurk starting five? But I don't. I think Mo Harkless in this. I, I do oh yeah, not true. See. Yeah. So then you take away Harkless, and I've seen people, you know, talk about Trevor Ariza coming over, and I was like, no, okay, Ariza would be a good bet, one year deal. I didn't realize Harkless put up better numbers than that dude mm-hmm. until I looked at the Basketball Reference comparisons, and Harkless is like eight or nine years younger than him. So the only thing Ariza brings is that one year contract, I mean, and, and and shooting for you know the position. And defense. Yeah, but you, you've got Harkless, and you've actually. So the one thing Neil did right last year was get Harkless on a very cost-controlled, team-friendly contract for four years, forty million dollars. So I would hate that we trade two of the better signings of the four. I would say those would be the two best. I mean, I know you have to give to get, but at the same time, when you when you look at other deals that we signed, like like Myers Leonard and Evan Turner, that they're still on the roster. That's it's a tough pill to swallow as a Blazers fan. But what did come out of this trade, so Portland probably would have been better off just not matching that Allen Crabb contract last year. However, True indeed. 
they did get a $12.9 million trade exception. So we gave 20 some million. We only got back six, six or eight. However you want to do the math, however it splices out to be, comes out $12.9 million trade exception. And so we got a question from uh, one of our, our former guests, you know, huge fan friend of the show. Of, friend of the show. Friend of the pod, Brandon Goldner. If you haven't followed him, give him a follow at GoldnerPDX. He wants to know how useful is this trade exception the Blazers created by trading Crab? And are there some examples of how they could use it? So I, I'm not a salary cap guru, never have claimed to be, have just a, you know, a passing knowledge of, of what the cap is. So I've heard of the, the, the traded player exception, seen it used in certain cases, but apparently this is only for single player trades only. So I don't think you combine it with other players. It's essentially like having, would you say this is right, Sage? You have a year to use it. It's almost like having $13 million in uh, cap Yeah, space. a grant. So for this scenario, it's $12 million that you can go to a team that's desperately not trying to be over the cap or ha- that has like, you know, money troubles and you can be like, hey, We'll take this player off your your hands with this twelve million dollar exemption. Here you go. I mean, like I was doing some research. I was like, mm, maybe Mario Hazonia and some change or something like that. We can do some pretty special things with it. Like uh, any player under that, we can we can attain with that grant. So yeah, it's just money that we can use to facilitate a trade. And so that is the one saving grace to me for this trade is that trade exemption and how Portland could use it. Now, if the player we get back is better than Alan Crabb, okay, Neil, like good, good deal. But for now, it's just such an unknown. It's hard. It's to a see. total unknown quantity with what well, I mean, like we are recording 12 hours after this trade has happened. There's been no news. So. So it's tough to say, but what I would say is. It's honestly probably, I think, better than almost having cap space if you're Portland because, one, free agents are tough to come by and they always come overpriced. This way, you signal out a team that needs cap relief. You can look at players who are already locked up into deals. Yeah, like a three-year deal or something. And we know once players get here, they fall in love with the city. So the tough part of recruiting someone... I mean that's all that's all taken care of by that they're already signed, sealed, and delivered. Mm-hmm. So now it's just playing matchmaker and saying, "Hey, I've got money, you've got a player, can't let's make a deal." Yeah, like so I did the math with uh, New Orleans, and like we could potentially offer each one more uh, the Pelicans the exception for each one more, and that would that would help. So there, I mean, I I have no idea what Neil is thinking, but there are definitely players that I think he would target with that exemption. So, done a lot of Blazers talk, but there's been other rumblings around the NBA, specifically Kyrie Irving, and we're going to get right into those after our our messages from, from our sponsor. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Team Snap is offering a free 21-day trial. Team Snap is every coach and parent's dream. An easy-to-use, indispensable tool for organizing and communicating every aspect of team life. Sign up for a free 21-day trial in 30 seconds or subscribe to a premium package with added features like unlimited photos and file storage and customization unique to their team. 
TeamSnap also provides a free Android and iPhone app so teams can be managed on the go. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here talking Alan Crabb traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Looking back at the draft, what Portland should have done, Mello to Houston to Portland, who knows? And now Kyrie Irving wants out of Cleveland. He no longer wants to be a Cavalier after being drafted number one overall in the 2011 draft. No longer wants to be a Cavalier after making three consecutive finals appearances and no longer wants to play alongside, I think, the second greatest player of all time. Sage, can you make any sense out of this? Is there any way Kyrie comes out of this looking intelligent, looking smart, you know, I, I just thinking left while everyone's going right? I just don't think he's good enough to command a trade. Like, that goes for, like, a super-duper star, and I don't think he's there yet, so... I, you know, with with all of the stuff he's done in the past, do you, I mean, I kind of get it that he's overly emotional about situations and stuff, so, I mean, he, he thinks the earth is flat and shit like that, so, I mean, you kind of have to judge, like, his opinion, I mean, three finals in a row? That's fucking, like, how many players can say that, that they've gone to three in a row? It's a pretty select bunch. And you look at that, and I read the article on ESPN, and it said that he was envious of Lillard's situation in Portland, Wall's situation in, in Washington being catered to, being the face of a franchise. Well, you flip that around, Wall's probably envious of his Nike shoe deal. Dame's probably envious that he's never been out of the second round of the playoffs. The grass is not always greener, and unless LeBron is just some monster then I, I, don't, I have a really hard time comprehending this because from all accounts, he is the most unselfish superstar we've really seen in the modern era. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just don't get it. But, like, most athletes are impulsive. So, I, I, I mean, maybe it was the, the fact that they got bodied in the finals. I, I don't know. But I don't think it is because the rumors are out there that he almost asked for a trade after winning the finals last season in 2016. Ah, yeah, I, I don't get it. So I, I don't get it. Um, I don't understand why it's so hard to be Robin sometimes. I understand the ego, and you like the competitiveness, competitiveness that he wants to be the face of a franchise, but you have to realize that being the Robin to the second greatest player of all time isn't the worst thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to send your ass to fucking Phoenix, and you're going to have fun winning 25 games. Yeah, you'll be the face of the franchise, but fucking lose a shitload. Yeah, the face of, of what franchise? I mean, you're the Cavaliers were nothing when he was the face of that franchise. Mm-hmm. They were only relevant once LeBron came into the picture. And I get it from his point of view that LeBron James is holding that franchise hostage, that each year he signs one-year deals. But to be fair, he's doing it to fuck over Dan Gilbert and to give himself the ultimate flexibility because he doesn't know what that lunatic is going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know what the, the organization is doing. They, they get rid of the GM that LeBron vouches for. They're on now their fourth or fifth GM choice. Um, Chauncey Billups turned it down. They reportedly offered him less money than, than, than he is getting at ESPN as an analyst. For a um, lot more work. <laughs> 
they're signing guys like Kyle Korver, Derek Rose. Um, they just look old. They look broke down. They don't have a direction. It seems like they're all it's it's being run by an insane asylum. Maybe that's I mean, if all of that was considered, you could say, yeah, maybe he wants out. But he supposedly wanted out the year before. So it's tough to say. We are, we will never know the facts. I mean, that's that's just the, the nature of the of the beast, the the, the way the situation is. We're, we're not flies on the wall. We don't have inside access. We can only speculate. And that's kind of what we're here to do. But from the outside looking in and from the articles that have been portrayed about the situation, Kyrie Irving does not come across very favorably in any of these pieces if the information out there is legitimate. So, Sage, you're the third GM, whatever. I think his name's Kobe or, or Cody or Colby Altman. What the fuck do you do with Kyrie Irving? I mean, you got to get rid of him, right? You can't let this situation get ugly. Yeah. I just, I, you kind of hampered yourself. Like, if Kyrie told you, like, if this news leaked before everyone spent their money and stuff, it would be a lot easier to make those trades. I know Kyrie is a star, so teams will make moves, but man, it very it limits his op- opportunities to trade him. And the problem with Kyrie, too, he is at a, a position that is not rare. It, no, is stock- no. it is stockpiled. The point guard position is the deepest it has ever been in the history of the NBA. So, what do you do if you're the Cavs? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be tough. You, you you're going to get to the finals regardless with, because you have LeBron. I don't care who the fucking Celtics brought in. LeBron James is still LeBron James for another year. He's going to get to the finals. Through, At least. Through hell or high water. I mean, do you hope to get a decent player and a pick? Do you hope to get all young assets? Do you hope to get three veterans? I mean, with LeBron coming off the books next year and possibly leaving, like they're, they're in a very... Shitty situation. Right? Unenviable yeah. task. I mean, that situation is is very bleak. Um, at least the city of Cleveland got their championship, though. I mean, I'd be happy right now. Portland has a title. Man. What we I mean, do? Well, in in recent in recent years, and then all this happened, but he's gonna. It just feels like he's gonna come out west, and it's really gonna be everybody is just come. You know, head west, young man. That's kind of what it feels like. Are there any teams out there off the top of your head that seem like they'd be good fits? I don't know, man. Like, if you're Boston, do you trade the heart and soul of your team, Isaiah Thomas, maybe a guy like Jay Crowder? I was thinking maybe Denver. They could I do thought, it. I thought Denver too. Um, it would have to be a combination, maybe a Kenneth Fareed, I mean, a Jamal, a Jamal Murray, a Malik Beasley, and a pick. But again, I feel like that's. That's, that's okay. Not, that's not enough. And then you got the Phoenix Suns who, if I'm Phoenix, I mean, I as a GM, I would probably stay away from, from Kyrie because I don't like how this is being portrayed and it seems crazy to leave LeBron. But if you can get him for Eric Bledsoe and Dragon Bender, yeah, you, I do move, you, you do that. I don't think you give up much more than that. Um, Phoenix seems like a, a logical landing spot. I mean... If you're looking east, it's tough unless you're getting, you know, picks on picks on picks. I, I don't know, man. I, I would say Phoenix and Denver might be the two most logical. 
But I mean, shit. New York might pull something. I don't know. But New York has nothing. That yeah, they have. They're not trading Porzingis. <laughs> they, they they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. for like the most ludicrous contract of the fuck, man. I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, and I'm glad I'm not a Cleveland fan. So we have one more fan question to answer. So it's 10:27 on a Tuesday night. Uh, my guy Sage and I didn't feel super great this afternoon. No. I think we both both got overheated, but you know we knew we had this give this pod to you guys after you know a big move that Portland made. So, question for you, Sage, uh, from at Blueberry Joe. That is an Blueber- awesome name. Blueberry wants to know what does this mean in terms of the impending Nurkic extension. I guess there's more money to give them, but I mean, we were going to pay out the ass anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's if Nurkic has a good so year. I think we, we have until Halloween, I think, to actually do the extension. This if year? Not, yes. If not, he we own the rights to um, keep, keep, it, keep his bird rights, make him a restricted free agent um, in, in the summer. So that means we can match in any offer he gets or just sign him outright. But. I think if if he progresses nicely and you both sides come to an agreement, it didn't matter who was on this roster. Nurkic, yeah, is he was in, getting paid regardless. He was going to get paid regardless, like you said. So if, if whether they felt it was before Halloween or before July one or after July one, excuse me, the two team, the two sides were going to get a deal done. I think but it's this, potentially for people like around the edges. Most of the wins are going to be generated from the three. So this is mostly to like build around the edges, find the the player that meshes with those those three. I mean, like you know, your eighth man isn't winning you the championship. Your top three or four are getting you there. So I think it's about finding out finding the player that works best with those the uh, the our three stars. Yeah. So I, I think this has really no impact on Nurk other than at the time. It saves Portland quite a bit in luxury tax, but again, if they use their 12.9 million trade exception, if they're taking part in another trade, the salary could go just back up again. And I think they they know they're going to have to pay Nurk. They're they're not going to let him go if they feel like he's worthy. They're going to lock him up because that is the key to our success. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But Sage, um, for what was supposed to be a 20 minute episode, we obviously. We we don't we don't fuck with short podcasts. Yeah, we don't. We, we, no. we have a lot to say, and we're gonna say it. And we're passionate about the team. It's fucking July. It's hot as hell. What else are we gonna do? You know, Portland doesn't have a baseball team. Uh, this is the show. This is the show in town. The the team we're all just crazy about. So it's now a 365 day a year, just subject around the city, around the state, around the Northwest. People live, breathe, and bleed trailblazers basketball. And that's what we're here to bring you guys. So when there's another trade, which we're certain there's going to be, we're going to be here doing another emergency podcast. We've got a fantasy draft coming later this summer. We're also going to bring back a couple of those throwback Thursdays. So if you have any recommendations, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the comments of any of the podcasts. We'll be certain to you know, really find those episodes and talk about it. But in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, 
give us that five-star rating on iTunes. You know, subscribe to the podcast. You don't have to wait for us to tweet out the link. I mean, it's going to be right there in your feed. If you don't have iTunes, we're also on Google Play, SoundCloud, um, and Stitcher at Holy Backboard PDX. Um, and as always, you can find us on social, uh, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at Holy Backboard. Sage, any final thoughts? Um, in the next few months, I'm, I'm tipping my hand, but you know what? It's my fucking business, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um, I'm developing a Holy Backboard app, so you can find us super easy with that. I've got a few po- uh, podcasts in the pipeline. I recorded a podcast with Evan M, and we have the guy who does all of those jersey concept designs. Uh, I am Brian Begley. Which he will be a guest on this uh, on this podcast he, yo, as well. He, he's a fucking cool guy. Um, and then I'm developing a podcast with one of my homies that is a uh, tournament organizer in Atlanta. And we talk a lot of shit about video games. So a lot of shit coming out in the pipeline from uh, Sage Digital. So just support, like and fi- like five star us, leave a good review. We we are definitely appreciative of it. And uh, Ryan Anderson to PDX, baby. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.